0: When you think about an archaeological dig, mummies and shattered fragments of relics might come to mind. Treasures from the past that provide insight into ancient civilizations. But in 2008,
1: archaeologists made a different kind of discovery. They unearthed a human skull from the bottom of a deep pit outside the University of York in the United
0: Kingdom. It provided sparse details about the era it originated from the Iron Age about 2,600 years ago. But it sparked far more questions than answers. Inside the skull, scientists found human brain tissue that had been mysteriously preserved. The
1: discovery prompted years of research geared towards understanding how the Heslington brain could have possibly survived in such a preserved state for thousands of years. Scientists may not have known it at the time, but they were studying perhaps the very first archaeological find that revealed more about humanity's future than its past. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a
0: podcast Original. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer.
1: Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in
0: the search bar. This is our second and final episode on the Heslington Brain, a human brain preserved underground for 2,600 years.
1: Last episode, we discussed the possible origins of the Heslington Brain. Experts hypothesize that the brain's owner, who we named Hez, might have traveled to Britain from the Arabian Peninsula. At some point, the local Celts might have captured and sacrificed Hez to their gods. They subsequently appear to have hanged him, decapitated him, and then dropped his severed head into the bottom of a pit.
0: This episode, will explore how the Heslington brain avoided the natural decomposition process. The key to the brain's survival might have significant implications for the future of science and medicine. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness
1: And they've developed a variety of techniques, from mummification to oil embalming to smoking. Maybe some ancient civilization is responsible for the
0: survival of the Heslington brain. It's rare for human tissue to be preserved for thousands of years without human intervention, but it is possible under rare, specific circumstances. Perhaps the soil surrounding the Heslington brain kept the tissue intact.
1: Or maybe there's something special even miraculous about the chemical makeup of the Heslington brain itself. Scientists examined and tested the tissue for over a decade, searching for an answer to the brain's most intriguing secret. Why is it still here?
0: Logically, there's no good reason for the Heslington brain to have survived so many years underground. Typically, decomposition begins just minutes after the heart stops beating
1: and the brain is one of the first organs to decay. Because of its extremely high water content, about 75%, it's particularly susceptible to an efficient
0: decomposition process called autolysis. Autolysis results from the hyperactivity of two enzymes, proteasis and phospholipasis. Working in concert, these organic catalysts destroy the fats and proteins in dead tissue on a molecular level.
1: After 36 to 72 hours, depending on temperature, autolysis gives way to putrefaction. Pre-existing bacteria inside the body and bacteria from the surrounding environment take over the job of breaking down tissue. The body begins to rot.
0: But for whatever reason, the Heslington brain stopped autolysis and putrefaction in their tracks. Something helped it overcome the natural processes that consume the bodies of virtually every living organism on Earth. At first, many assumed it was due to human intervention.
1: Human civilization has tried to defy death for thousands of years. Some of the oldest practitioners of corpse preservation were also the most famously prolific, the ancient Egyptians.
0: The Egyptians believed that life after death could only be possible if a body remained recognizable. If it wasn't, the spirits that once lived within the deceased, their Ba and Ka, their soul and their life force, wouldn't be able to identify and return to them in the afterlife.
1: The Egyptians used a variety of methods to preserve their dead. How thorough embalmers were depended on how much a person or their family could afford. For some of the wealthiest clients, The undertaker removed
0: the brain through the deceased's nose and discarded it. Because of the brain's highly fragile state, the embalmer needed to be precise. If left inside the cranial cavity, the brain tissue would rapidly decompose and speed up the decay of the rest of the body.
1: But not all Egyptian mummies had their brains removed. According to ancient Greek historian Herodotus, Many could only afford a simple form of preservation that included submerging the dead in natron, a mineral salt that naturally absorbs liquids.
0: During decomposition, natron helps soak up any putrefying fluids that leak out of the body. This removal of liquid accounts for the smaller, sunken bodies of Egyptian mummies.
1: The Heslington brain did shrink to 20% of its former size, suggesting that liquid was somehow removed during its time underground. But strangely enough, when researchers examined the organ, they saw no indication of natron or any other absorbent
0: external substance. So if the Heslington brain was artificially preserved, the methods weren't drawn from ancient Egypt.
1: The Celts possibly took the brain's owner, or Hez, as we've called him, prisoner, and ultimately sacrificed him. And they appear to have had their own method for preserving bodies, or rather, a very specific part of the body.
0: In the previous episode, we discussed how Celtic warriors sliced off the heads of their fallen enemies, embalmed them, and kept them on display, both in their communities and in their homes. To preserve
1: their macabre trophies, they used cedar oil or similar substances derived from plants. Immediately after decapitating an enemy, they covered the head in oil,
0: presumably to prevent microorganisms from entering the tissue. It seems possible that Celtic warriors rode into battle with a healthy supply of oil on hand. The sooner they applied the embalming liquid, the better their slain enemies would look in the long term. They'd smell better, too. Cedar oil is known for its sharp, woody aroma. Between 2003
1: and 2013, archaeologists excavated an Iron Age Celtic settlement in southern France. They found 50 different human skulls
0: that showed signs of oil embalming. One might assume that if anyone preserved the Heslington Brain, it would have been the Celts, as his killers. But it wasn't. At least, it's unlikely. The skulls unearthed in
1: southern France contained no brain matter. In fact, they contained no soft tissue at all. The discrepancy led researchers to suspect that if the Celts were responsible for the Heslington brain's odd preservation, they didn't utilize their standard methods.
0: But as it turns out, most experts suspect that the Heslington brain wasn't intentionally preserved by humans at all. The most significant piece of evidence driving this hypothesis is the absence of any other soft tissue on the skull.
1: In almost every other instance of successful artificial embalming, preserved soft tissue is accompanied by other soft tissue, like skin, muscle, or hair. It seems there isn't a single other specimen from the Iron Age, or any other ancient time period for that matter, where man-made methods preserved only the brain.
0: The state of the Heslington brain was incredibly unique.
1: The one way the Heslington brain could have been preserved by human hands would be through an embalming process completely unknown to science one in which an undertaker removed all exterior soft tissue, cartilage, skin, hair, and then
0: buried the naked skull underground. But the skull itself shows no signs of scraping or cutting that would have been necessary for a procedure that extensive.
1: In the first comprehensive academic publication about the Heslington Brain, postdoctoral research fellow Sonia O'Connor wrote the following statement, there is no evidence that this case is anything other than a decapitated
0: head in which post-mortem putrefaction was rapidly inhibited. If that doesn't sound like an explanation to you, that's because it's not. O'Connor and researchers like her couldn't find any concrete reason why the brain didn't decompose. They only understood that it didn't. Chillingly, she noted that the brain showed no indication
1: of even the earliest stages of decomposition, the ones that begin in the first few minutes after death.
0: Whatever caused the brain's survival certainly wasn't a common occurrence. Coming up,
1: we examine how the Heslington brain compares to the oldest brain matter ever recorded.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness.
1: Many ancient cultures developed procedures to embalm their dead. The Celts even went to great lengths to preserve decapitated heads. But unfortunately, there is no evidence to indicate that human intervention contributed to
0: the Heslington brain survival. If human hands had nothing to do with it, perhaps fate or chance intervened. Numerous human bodies, including brains, have been preserved under rare, naturally occurring conditions.
1: A variety of environmental factors can discourage decomposition. Generally, tissue is best preserved with extreme cold or heat, but each naturally preserved set of ancient human remains tells a different story.
0: In 1999, archaeologists found three of history's most naturally well-preserved bodies in the Andes Mountains on the peak of an historically active volcano called Yuyayako, The bodies belonged to three Incan children, two around the age of five and one around the age of 13.
1: They had been preserved in a small, icy-cold chamber near the top of the volcano. Just like the Heslington man, all three children
0: were victims of human sacrifice. Aside from sacrifice, however, there aren't many other similarities to the Heslington brain. The brain matter remained intact in all three Incan mummies, But the conditions preserved the rest of their soft tissue as well. In pictures, the children almost look asleep.
1: Not to mention, the climate of the region where archaeologists found the Heslington brain doesn't support the theory that it was ever frozen. The lowest yearly average temperature in Heslington, Britain, hovers around 34 degrees
0: Fahrenheit. So we can confidently rule out extreme cold as an environmental factor that helped preserve Hes's brain. But perhaps the temperature didn't matter. Between
1: 2009 and 2011, archaeologists found another group of naturally preserved humans with intact brains in a former lake bed near the Motala-Strom River in Sweden. Like the Heslington Brain and the Incan children, the remains are suspected
0: to belong to victims of human sacrifice. But the brain shared more in common with the Heslington brain than the mummies found on Yuyayako. It was another curious case where some of the brain matter, but no other soft tissue, survived.
1: The recovered skull, which still contained a small amount of preserved brain tissue, survived over 8,000 years,
0: more than three times the age of Hez. These remains are still being studied, But experts have theorized that the brain's preservation is related to how rapidly it was placed into the lake after death and the chemical makeup of the sediment itself.
1: As we discussed last episode, the Heslington brain was preserved near an ancient irrigation system. Maybe something in the water preserved it. But unfortunately, the case of the Norwegian brains
0: still only had limited applications. The brain tissue found in 2014 lacked the structure and resilience of the Heslington brain. It was mushy and clay-like. In addition, the Heslington brain shows no evidence of spending prolonged periods in water. Experts believe it remained encased in damp soil for the entirety of its time underground. Meaning,
1: water-based chemical preservation, like a lake, can likely be eliminated
0: as a contributing factor to the Heslington brain survival. Unless Hez's water-based grave wasn't as deep as a lake. After all, bogs are common throughout the region where Hes was murdered, and the soil archeologists found him in was damp. Bogs are characterized
1: by a high content of compacted, decomposing plant matter called peat. In a bog, the firm areas of peat are interrupted by fresh water. Sometimes that water is the size of a puddle. Other times
0: it's as large as a network of ponds. As we mentioned last episode, the Celts believed water was a gateway to other realms. In their culture, bogs were a popular location for human sacrifice.
1: Yet another unfortunate victim of human sacrifice met their end in a bog about 2,500 years ago. 1950 saw the discovery of a remarkably intact male body near the small Danish town of Silkeborg. The
0: ancient individual is now referred to as the Talland Man. Over centuries, his body had shrunk and his skin turned a deep chestnut brown, but an impressive amount of detail remained pristine. His hair, his nails, even the expression on his face remained visible and recognizable. In pictures, His facial expression looks almost pleased. There's a hint of a smile on his lips.
1: The uniquely stagnant water in the Danish bog preserved the Tallinn man for over 2,000 years. The
0: key ingredient in the water may sound familiar, tannins. The last time you spoke or thought about tannins, you were most likely drinking wine. The same biomolecules that maintained the Tallinn man's soft tissue are responsible for elevating flavors in aged wine. In a bog, tannins
1: come from the sphagnum moss that grows along the edge of the bodies of freshwater. When the water has a high content of tannins, bacteria can't survive, and a body doesn't decay.
0: The Heslington brain shares quite a few characteristics with the Tollan man and other so-called bog bodies. All have soft tissue that have been preserved in relative detail and retain some elasticity. They weren't brittle or dry.
1: Tannins might be a great explanation for the Heslington brain's survival,
0: if only it showed any trace of tannins or sphagnum during testing. Bog bodies are perhaps the most similar to the Heslington brain in terms of their final preserved state. But our remarkable brain doesn't display any chemical markers of a bog-curing process. So the search continues.
1: Between 2006 and 2011, archaeologists in Turkey discovered some of the oldest known brain matter ever found, and they unearthed the 4,000-year-old remains alongside a number of other charred
0: objects. The region has a history of earthquakes, which caused scientists to speculate that the victims were buried in a landslide, resulting from tectonic shifts. Shortly after the landslide, a fire scorched the area. Heat
1: would have been crucial to the brain's preservation. As the fire burned the rubble above the victims, it heated their bodies just enough to boil the brains
0: inside their cranial cavity without destroying them completely. The fire would have likely consumed any oxygen trapped in the soil. Without oxygen or moisture, the typical decomposition process was stalled. The composition
1: of the soil itself also contributed to the tissue preservation. Researchers discovered that the dirt surrounding the remains was high in potassium,
0: magnesium, and aluminum. When these elements came into contact with the fatty acids leaking from soft tissue, they combined to generate a soap-like material called adipocere. Adipocere is also called corpse wax, and it played an important role in helping these Turkish brains keep their shape.
1: The 2,600-year-old Heslington brain and the 4,000-year-old Turkish brains share similar circumstances. Archaeologists discovered burnt stones in pits near the Heslington brain, suggesting that the brain could have been subject to extreme heat at some point during or after its
0: burial. In addition, in both cases, brain matter accounted for all of the surviving soft tissue. Could the brains found in Turkey be the key to understanding the preservation of the Heslington brain? The answer isn't yes, but it's not no either. When looking at the two
1: sets of brain tissue, similarities are present, but limited. The Heslington brain is pink and tan with a spongy texture, like tofu. The brains found in Turkey could be mistaken for wood burned in a campfire. They're hollowed out and brittle. The different outcomes suggest
0: different processes, but there are still important parallels to be drawn three environmental factors contributed to the Turkish brain's preservation. Lack of moisture, lack of oxygen, and the presence of crucial elements in the soil. All three of which may have been critical to the Heslington brain's survival as well.
1: First, let's examine low moisture. We know that the Heslington brain's skull was encased in damp soil, but the moisture inside the cranial cavity itself may have been decreased
0: prior to burial. In the previous episode, we discussed evidence that suggested Heza's severed head was held up for a crowd of spectators to see. That step could have drained the skull of internal fluids. Next,
1: oxygen deprivation. Experts postulate that Hes's killers buried his head so far below the Earth's surface and so soon after decapitation that it was exposed to an incredibly limited amount of oxygen.
0: Finally, the soil composition. While the mineral and elemental composition of the dirt surrounding the Heslington brain doesn't appear to be as critical to its preservation as those found in Turkey, it still helped. The soil penetrated the skull's
1: orifices evenly and created a consistent environment for thousands of years. The compacted sediment prevented water from moving through the skull and kept its contents at a consistent, cool temperature. That colder temperature likely slowed the activity of putrefying bacteria
0: it might appear that circumstance just so happened to provide all the right conditions to preserve both the Heslington brain and the brains in Turkey. But one question still has yet to be explained. What happened to the rest of the soft tissue? In the case of the Turkish brains, there
1: is a likely explanation. Fire boiled the inside of the cranial cavity, but no other soft tissue. Without the benefits of heat, the other
0: soft tissue eventually decomposed. As for the Heslington brain, the severed head was subject to the same three environmental conditions that led to preservation. Lack of internal moisture, lack of oxygen, and favorable soil conditions.
1: Which led some to wonder whether the Heslington brain contained a unique set of characteristics that helped it defy death, possibly even a mutation.
0: Coming up, scientists unlock the mystery to the Heslington brain's preservation. Now back to the story. Researchers have determined
1: that the Heslington brain was not preserved by humans. They found that the environment the head was buried in contributed to its survival, but
0: its environment didn't tell the whole story. In order to understand how the Heslington brain sustained so many years underground, Experts needed to understand more about the tissue itself. Around 2017, a
1: neurologist at the University College London was granted access to study the Heslington brain. Dr. Axel Petzold built his career around research into two specific proteins found in the brain, neurofilaments and glial fibrillary acidic protein, abbreviated
0: GFAP. Both proteins perform important structural roles in the brain. They essentially provide the scaffolding that gives brain matter its shape. Think about the load-bearing
1: structure of a skyscraper. Rebar and concrete is poured first, and all the other elements of the building, the windows, the floors, the ceilings, and the elevators, are all built using their support.
0: Neurofilaments and GFAP are the brain's rebar and concrete. And Dr. Petzold theorized that those proteins were instrumental to the Heslington brain's seemingly miraculous preservation.
1: Dr. Petzold used an immunoelectron electron microscope to verify his basic hypothesis.
0: Neurofilaments and GFAP were both still present in the ancient tissue. He then exposed the brain tissue to antigens. When he did, he realized that the brain matter was still able to generate an immune response.
1: With this initially promising data in hand, Dr. Petzold and his team began a more ambitious and detailed research process. Over the course of a year, samples from the Heslington brain and samples from a modern, unaltered brain were observed in a natural state of decomposition. Their behavior on a cellular and molecular level were compared.
0: The team used sensitive tools like electron microscopes and a mass spectrometer which can be used to identify the molecular weight of compounds. With the help of technology, they discerned a few unique details about the neurofilaments and GFAP in the Heslington brain tissue. Some
1: parts of the ancient neural proteins were considerably more dense than those found in modern brain tissue. Dr. Petzold concluded that the proteins must have undergone some kind of change while underground, perhaps from the pressure of the soil above it.
0: Further studies on antibody generation showed that not only were the individual ancient proteins more dense than their modern counterparts, the proteins were also grouped together more closely. These tight groups were called aggregates. The unique aggregates of the Heslington
1: brain appeared to be the crucial building block that kept its tissue intact for thousands of years. The protein aggregates had allowed the brain to become
0: more resilient. In an academic paper summarizing his findings, Dr. Petzold wrote, This long-term data from a unique ancient human brain demonstrates that aggregate formation permits for the preservation of brain proteins for millennia. The proteins appeared to be performing double duty.
1: They continued to uphold the physical structure of the brain, but they also prevented
0: decay. Dr. Petzold also wrote, the aggregates from the ancient brain were larger and considerably more resistant to incubation with decomposers as those from recent human or animal brains. This finding explains
1: why none of the other soft tissue around the Heslington brain survived. The cerebral matter was the only tissue containing the protective neurofilaments
0: and gfap without a shield of aggregated dense cerebral proteins all other soft tissue was at the mercy of the enzymes performing decomposition
1: so dr petzold found the cellular mechanism responsible for the Hessington brain's preservation but although the central question had become more focused they still weren't sure what it was about these structural proteins that had prevented them from decomposing. But Dr. Petzold and his team had theories.
0: One was genetic mutation. Hez could have carried an unknown genetic anomaly that predisposed his cerebral proteins to bind into aggregates and resist decomposition.
1: Unfortunately... The Heslington brain tissue is too degraded to allow for the detailed genetic analysis needed to confirm the hypothesis. Another possibility they discussed was disease. If genetics didn't change the behavior of these brain proteins, perhaps a neurological malady did.
0: But Dr. Petzold and other experts agreed that the theory was unlikely. If a neurological disease created the abnormal proteins, they should have been able to see its side effects in the existing tissue. Of course, there's always the chance that Hez suffered from a neurological disease that has yet to be discovered. As it turned out, the cerebral proteins themselves revealed a particularly intriguing detail that suggested a third theory. Neurofilament proteins are most commonly found in the core of the brain. But in the case of the Heslington brain, scientists found that the
1: proteins were more prevalent in the organ's outer layers. This suggested that decomposition was impeded in the exterior tissue before the inner
0: tissue. The order of events led researchers to believe that decomposition could have been stopped by a substance soaking into the brain tissue from the outside. Sort of like how an immersed sponge soaks up liquid the outside gets wet before the inner core. Dr. Petzold wrote that the decomposition
1: enzymes, quote, might have been inhibited by an unknown compound which had diffused from the outside of the brain to the deeper structures.
0: It's difficult to say what exactly this substance might have been because no trace of it has shown up on any test. But based on the current state of the Heslington brain, Dr. Petzold theorizes that preservation might have been possible by an acidic compound similar to what is known from the soft tissue preservation of the bog bodies.
1: This theory presents a solution that combines the forces of nature and nurture. While the unknown acidic solution prevented the initial stages of decomposition, the unique structural proteins gathered into aggregates, which allowed it to resist further decay.
0: In other words, though the Heslington man wasn't sacrificed in a bog, he had more in common with Tolland man than initially suspected. Research
1: on the Heslington brain is ongoing. Dr. Petzold laid the foundation for understanding the completely unique tissue, but the field is still
0: wide open. Dr. Petzold closed the discussion section of his paper with the following words. In summary, Our data provided multiple lines of experimental evidence for the long-term preservation of human brain proteins. The
1: existing research provides no complete explanation, but it seems likely the Heslington brain is the result of a very unique individual in a set of very unique circumstances. It is a specimen that may never
0: be replicated. Dr. Petzold's findings didn't completely unravel the why and how behind the Heslington brain and its preservation, but they did uncover something else that could have immense ramifications in the lives of future humans. As the team examined the Heslington brain over the course of a year,
1: they watched the tight aggregates of proteins unfurl themselves. The lengthy incremental process had only been observed a handful of times.
0: Protein aggregates don't only form in dead brain tissue. They can form in live brain tissue with disastrous results. They're a symptom-causing component of neurological diseases like Creutzfeldt-Jakob and Alzheimer's. As Dr. Petzold and his team
1: observed the Heslington brain tissue aggregates unfolding, it was as if they were witnessing the brain of an Alzheimer's patient.
0: The unfortunate difference being that the unfolding process occurred as a result of decomposition, not aging. Meaning Dr. Petzold's research wasn't able to determine any mechanism that could deconstruct harmful aggregates. But his data is still useful. The knowledge
1: that the damaging
0: aggregates can slowly unfold over the course
1: of a year provides a new timeframe to approach Alzheimer's treatment. It suggests that more long-term treatments might need to be considered.
0: Attempting to resolve aggregates in live patients is still ongoing and will be a lengthy process.
1: The results of Alzheimer's treatment may be slow in coming, but the Heslington brain spent 2,600 years buried beneath the soil. Its existence has been called a miracle.
0: Maybe one day it'll lead to another miracle for the millions of individuals diagnosed with Alzheimer's each year and their families.
1: Maybe Hez's death means that thousands of people in the future can live fuller lives. Maybe he was sacrificed for a reason.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find all episodes
1: of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify.
0: Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast Originals, like Unexplained Mysteries, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream
1: Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer.
0: Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Hannah McIntosh with writing assistance by Maggie Admire and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner.